Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Well, good to see you guys smiling faces this morning. I hope that you have enjoyed your week so far. Uh, at least, uh, well, we just started it, didn't we? So you just got a few hours into that, right? Uh, some, uh, did anybody watch the game last night? Was there, oh, come on, was there a game? The Patriots lost, yay! Oh, sorry, did I say that? <laughs> hey, if you're a Patriots fan, I apologize to you, but hey, I was glad. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty honorary. Uh, but anyway, uh, uh, thank the Lord for the good things he's doing. Aside from football, we'll get into more important things in football, right? Uh, so this morning we're going to look together and uh, we're going to start this new, uh, well, we're going to start out this new year and this, new, this first week of the year, full week, uh, and in prayer. H- have you guys ever played on a team that seemed to be uh, uneven, unevenly matched. First of all, have you ever watched the Harlem Globetrotters or maybe one, one of their groups? Has anybody done that? You've watched, some of you has watched them. Those guys are awesome, aren't they? Those guys are skilled, and if you ever watch them, usually they'll come to schools, they'll, they'll play the faculty. Uh, they, may, they may play some of the high school students. They, they may even fall, play the coaches who are supposed to know what they're doing, right? And when you watch them and you see what they're doing, it's like, yeah, those guys are too skilled to play them. And, and so they'll come out with their antics and their abilities. They may even pull a trampoline out and, you know, do something crazy with that. But, but most of the time when those guys are playing uh, with uh, some of the faculty or something, they're usually overmatching them, right? There's no comparison between the two of them. It's not an equal playing field. But if you look back into Scripture, we're going to look back in Matthew chapter 21 this morning. In Jesus' day, he went into the temple of God and he stepped into the courtyard only, only to be met by a bunch of people who were pushing their goods. They were trying to make a sale. They were trying to sell uh, sacrificial birds and sheep and and those things to be able to uh, uh, sell for those worshipers that were coming in to the the temple at that time. And there were people all there exchanging money because people would come in uh, from the surrounding uh, communities and and countries and they would have to exchange their, their money to get the proper money to use there. And the exchangers seemed to take advantage of those worshipers Uh, And it was an uneven playing field, so to speak. Not really a playing field, but an uneven praying field. Uh, And those who had come in to worship out of town, they're dealing with this price gouging and stuff. And and they had a captive audience, so they felt like they could do whatever they wanted to do. So that they could have their approved sacrifice for worship. What was supposed to happen under the Mosaic law at the time? So Jesus enters there, and he kicks out the money changers, the birds, animals, throws the tables over, and he was leveling the praying field. Look with me in Matthew chapter 21. should be on the screen for you, verse 10 there. It says, When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. 
Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Then in verse 14, he goes on and you see what he starts doing. He says, it says, the blind came and uh, the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. So Jesus wasn't only about correcting those things, but he was there also to minister to people's lives. And that's what he did. In fact, one translation says, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. And Jesus was leveling the praying field for everyone. You have to realize that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That's everybody, no matter what their ethnic background was. And that's why Jesus, why, why it says in the scripture in John, he says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The world, that's everybody. Man, women, men, women, children, people who are, are Jewish, are Gentile, are Vietnamese, are American, are Guatemalan, you can fill the blanket, it doesn't matter. He died for all of them. Jesus also leveled the praying field to the cross. We're all alike, Romans tells us. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote it and he said it very well when he said in Romans chapter 3, verse 22, to 24, it says, righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. It doesn't mean that everyone will seek that salvation that God provides, but it's available to those who will put their faith in Him. So for those who think they're better than others in God's sight because of their pedigree, they are absolutely wrong. Right standing with God comes through faith in Christ. And that means that we can come boldly into the presence of God. And this week as we meet in prayer, we're going to take this time as uh, Pastor Steve, our senior pastor, and, and the board of walked through this and said we're going to take advantage of gathering together and uh, for a different a couple different times at 6.30 in the morning. Uh, Jody mentioned it, 6.30 in the morning or 7 o'clock at night. just depends on wh wh how it works for you. And uh, you may say, well, you know what? I can't make it at 6.30 in the morning. I can't make it at 7 in the night. Maybe you can make it during the day. The office hours are open from, uh, from, uh, from 8.30 to 4.30 Monday through Thursday. So you can drop in then if you want. And uh, we can open the door and you can pray. So that's, that's fine. Or maybe you can't make it to the church and you want to pray at home. That's fine. But we need to be able to take this time at the beginning of the year to set aside and, and seek the Lord's face on His direction for our lives as individuals and for our body, the church. The book of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 18, these words. It says, let us then... Approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We need to follow the plan of God in each and every one of our lives. We need to look to His plan and His desires. And the last thing we want to do is to follow our own plan that leads us nowhere or leads us in the wrong direction. 
We want to be able to follow His, and we need to let God be God to direct our lives in this new year. So because Jesus has leveled the praying field for us, every one of us can approach God's throne of grace with confidence or with boldness. Some of us are too timid when we uh, ask God for something. And uh, some people have had a father maybe in the past who is tough and demanding, and so he wasn't approachable. And because of this, or another parent, and because of this, they see God in that same light. But you, ha you need to see God for who He is, and that's why the Scripture shows us who He is. That's why Jesus shows us who He is, and it gives us a better understanding. You need to be able to see Him as a caring Father who loves us and wants to listen to us about our day. And you realize that He wants to listen to you. Really, it can change how you see and how you relate to Him. A child whose parent has a, a child who has a parent that is kind and uses a caring approach in relating to their kids usually is more likely to have a child who will approach them with confidence. And that's a, that's a balancing act for a parent, right? Doesn't mean they don't have boundaries. They still have to have boundaries, uh, but they also have to be able to be approachable. And that child understands that the parent loves them, so if they need something, they can usually go to that parent uh, with certainty that they will at least be heard. They may not always be sure what that parent's answer is going to be, but they'll be sure that they will be listened to and receive a response from that parent. And because of this, they, they will talk to the parent with a sense of assurance. And when we approach the Lord uh, as our Heavenly Father, we can come to Him with great confidence and assurance. We can come to Him with boldness. We may not always know exactly what His answer will be in our situation, but we, we may ask Him for wisdom, and the, and the Word of God tells us if we ask uh, that of Him, then He will give us that wisdom. No question about it, right? We, we pray according to His will. In John in 1 John chapter 4, verse 14, the Apostle John wrote these words. He says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. We may ask Him for something else, and uh, if we ask according to His will, He will listen. That's why it's so important for us to stay engaged in the Word of God. You, you, don't, you don't even have to have a, uh, have a title in front of your name for God to respond to you, right? Aren't you glad? You don't have to have some title in front of your name. You, you just need to trust in Him and His Word. Hebrews chapter 14, verse 6 again, it says, Approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Then the Apostle John says we can have that confidence in asking when we ask according to His will. Here's the thing, don't complicate the matter. I think sometimes we complicate the matter of prayer in our relationship with God. We need to be able to keep it simple because sometimes people are so concerned about the will of God they get tripped up on, on seeking God. Let your prayers be honest and heartfelt to God. Read the Word of God. Know what God's Word says, but don't be and don't be tripped up on God's specific will. Know what His Word says. Although we have to be careful, don't ask for something that is vindictive against your neighbor, right? 
We know that's not God's plan. Don't ask for something that is immoral according to the Word of God, not according to our cultural standpoint, but according to the Word of God. That's one of the problems that we face today. Uh, people don't uh, know what God's Word says, or they ignore it and decide to ask for things out of God's plan. So how, how do we know some of God's plan? It's by talking to Him in prayer, spending that time with Him, and then it's also by guiding yourself with the Word of God. Now I say that specifically, guiding yourself. That may sound funny to some of you, unusual that I would say guiding yourself and not God guiding us, but sometimes we have to take the initiative to open the Word of God, and you're doing that now in the sense that you've come here, we've come here together to open the Word of God together and be directed by God's Word, to let God speak to us. But as individuals also, we have to open the Word of God for ourselves, whether it's in, in, the, in the book like that or if it's on our cell phone, we pull it out, and we can read to see what God is saying in our lives. And that's why it's important to get through the Scripture and be aware of what it's saying to us, because it's God speaking to us. Well, we know that Scripture shows that we can pray for healing. So the Word of God uh, in Mark 16 says to lay hands on the sick. We can, we can also pray for peace. We, we know we can do that. Philippians 4, 7, it tells us the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And when we don't know what, the direction, what direction to take, maybe in a business deal or with a family decision, we know we can ask God. James chapter 1, verse 15 says, If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask of God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But sometimes, sometimes uh, we can become lazy spiritually and uh, just say, God will work it out according to His will, and then people don't pray it through. They don't apply God's Word to their life. They just say, que sera, sera, what will be, will be. But that's not the way we're called to be as followers of Jesus. We need to be willing to seek God about things in our lives, and we need to be willing to read His Word and be transformed and changed by it and directed by it as well. We must have a proactive relationship with our Lord. You don't have to have that title, reverend or, or pastor or minister in front of your name to pray. Pray for yourself. Pray for others. Uh, pray for those in need. Pray for those that don't have a need. Pray for people because really everybody has need. Pray for the church body. And pray for what God is calling us to do in this coming year. When was the last time that you prayed for your neighbor? It gets on your nerves. You know, you have that one neighbor, the one neighbor, and it's like they see you coming, and, and then they see that one nerve that you're carrying, you know, it comes out of your head, it's on the ground, and they see that nerve, and then it's like they stand on it. They're just really annoying, you know, and if they had a high heel shoe, they would put that high heel right on there, you know, just to get on your nerves a little bit. When's the last time you prayed for that person? Maybe that's a family member. Maybe it's a person sitting, no, never mind. <laughs> we have to be willing to pray for people. Do you just let it fester when those things happen? It's easy to do that, and we have to make sure that we step back and take that to the Lord so that the Lord can work in that situation. 
so that the Lord can work in that scenario. Maybe God wants to do something in that individual, and maybe He's allowing that to happen in your life, so maybe you can be an instrument of peace in there, in them and for them. Ever thought of that? Jesus leveled the praying field through faith. We see this over in Mark chapter 11. We see it in that passage. And right before Jesus' statement about prayer in Mark 11, he gave his disciples a demonstration of God's intervention among uh, humanity. And Jesus went to a fig tree to see if there were some fr- figs on it. And uh, when he didn't find any on there, he cursed the fig tree by saying, uh, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. Uh, Jesus didn't do this for no purpose, it wasn't just for fun. Uh, he, he did it with purpose, and uh, so, and you see that he used it to help his people understand some things about God, and uh, he used that to, to a little bit for training, if you want to say. Did this to help them get a glimpse of faith and confidence in God, and if you look there in Mark 11, verse 21, it says, Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you curse has withered. So once, uh, once Peter says this to Jesus, the Lord takes over and he starts explaining about this miracle that he has done. And he says, have faith in God. Jesus answered, truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes what they, what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer... Believe that you have received and it will be yours. Verse 25, he says there, he goes on to say, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Jesus, in this situation, he shows some serious confidence in the Father. And I know there may be some here that say, well, yeah, Jesus was the Son of God. We understand Him and His ability to do all these things. Uh, That's a whole other world. But He limited Himself to become a human being just like you and I. You you do have to remember that. And, And then He's guiding His disciples to put their faith and their trust in the Lord. We need to be able to set up our trust in Christ. You need to be able to let your confidence grow in the Lord. And it should be a daily process. We're all learning, right? We're all growing. We don't want to stay at the same place that we were yesterday. We just don't want to. We need to be moving forward in our faith and in our walk with the Lord. It's really kind of interesting to me how Jesus handles this and that he demonstrates God's ability to curse the fig tree. And then he talks about having faith when we pray. And then he brings in the issue of forgiving. He brings in this issue of forgiveness. And I I guess it goes to show us that we can have all the faith in the world, but without forgiving others, we are totally missing out. There's something that comes to my mind as I think about that. Jesus had 12 disciples, right? He had 12. I'm sure that Judas with them, who is the one who betrayed him, I'm sure that probably God used him with miracles as well. I don't think he was probably off off the side doing nothing. He was probably used, God probably used him as well. But he chose to go his own way. 
something we should remember. Jesus not only leveled the praying field through faith, but he leveled the praying field through forgiveness as well. And these need to go together when we pray. Sometimes people try to punish themselves or maybe others because of the things they've done, and so they end up not standing on the, on the promises of forgiveness and Christ's redemption on the cross. Years ago, there was a, uh, a father and, and his daughter who were out in the prairie years ago, and uh, they were walking out in the prairie, and off in the distance, they saw a huge prairie fire. It's up in Canada, and as this, uh, they, when they saw the fire, they knew they were not going to be able to get out of there before the fire come their way. And you guys have heard like what happens in those, and the, they can be really fast and dangerous. We've had them here as well, especially in the south, southwest. And, and so so the, the fire starts coming through, and the dad's like, the only thing that we can do at this point is to be able to try to light a fire ourselves where we're at and burn a big patch of, of ground so that we can get in the middle of that thing and be protected when the, real, when the, the big prairie fire comes our way. And so at least it can protect them to some limit. And so that's what they do. He lights a fire where they're at. He burns off a portion of it, and they, they get together there in the middle of that place. And the daughter, of course, is terrified uh, because what's going to happen? And uh, so the fire comes, and it, and it doesn't get them because they did that. So the flames can't get to them when they were standing there where the fire had already been burned. If you already stand in forgiveness, and if you're living in forgiveness, it's much easier to pray in confidence knowing that your sin is forgiven and that you've forgiven others. Jesus shows us that making things right with others is a key part of having our prayers answered. Don't let unforgiveness get in the way of your faith in God. Set those things aside. And this is the beginning of the year, a great time to rethink about that. Every day we should consider that. But today we should consider that and set things aside and let God do His work in our lives. Faith, forgiveness, and confidence in God are key parts for us in prayer. Yeah, yet there's always times that you have to step up your prayer life and make uh, making a stronger connection uh, to the Lord. And, and we find this throughout the Old Testament. We find it also in the New Testament and the early church and how they responded and how they interacted with the Lord. And we see that uh, leveling the praying field can also come through fasting. And uh, fasting, we know, can take different forms uh, it's, it's something that a person should not feel guilty about if they are not engaged in fasting, but it's a powerful spiritual discipline that helps us in engaging the Lord. And I, I would say that fasting is a way that we can step up our prayer lives. And uh, what is fasting? Well, the, in the most biblical uh, form is to set aside eating food or certain types of food for a period of time. Maybe for a day or maybe a couple days. It may be for up to 30 days. It depends. And uh, we saw Jesus did it up to 40 days uh, one time we know. And, and the intent of this kind of fasting is to break the distractions around us that are drawing on us so that we can focus fully on God and His will and His plan for our lives. Maybe even for others. Now we know the Scripture speaks of 
of a fast where we give up something to help others, but this is a, a little bit different than what we're talking about here. And we, you can see what I'm saying out of Acts chapter 13, verses 1 to 4 here. It's one of those, it's a type of fasting and prayer where we're, where we're working at co connecting to God. It doesn't save us. I know I said the word working, but it doesn't save us, but it's that connection that we are making to God and setting some other things aside. Look at what he says here in Acts chapter 13, 1. It says, Now in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, uh, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they, after they had fasted and prayed, they, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So it was, in, it was in this time where these guys were fasting. And, and if you kind of break this down a little bit, this is all at the same time, but if you break it down a little bit, there's at least a couple things doing that was coupled with this fasting. The first thing is we, we see here in this passage in verse 2 that they were worshiping and fasting. They were engaging in worshiping the Lord. They were, they were worshiping Him and lifting up His name. And then we see, secondly, they were fasting, doing fasting and prayer. So they were also praying. They were interacting. They were asking God probably for some things. And they were seeking Him, asking Him to work in their lives maybe. We don't know. But here we find that these followers of Jesus were spending time worshiping and fasting. In fact, it was in that context that the Holy Spirit spoke to them in, in some kind of a prophetic word. They, they may not have been asking for direction, although it's likely they were seeking God's will. But, but we don't know because the Scripture doesn't really say that they were worshiping and fasting, spending that time with God. It was about staying connected to God in their crazy, busy lives. Now you say, uh, Pastor Mike, I don't know about that. How uh, crazy busy lives there back at that time. I think we have a big misconception sometimes of this time era and what was taking place there. Where, where were they at? The, the scripture says that they were in Antioch. They were in the city. They weren't in the countryside sitting by their little lambs likely. Now they may have had them there with them, but they did have busy lives. Who's going to go get the wood to cook uh, this afternoon, who's going to go get the wood to boil the water? Who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? They had stuff they had to do. They were living in a big city at the time, so there were some things they had to do. Sometimes it's so easy for us to look at Scripture and to blow it off, saying those times were different. Well, they may be a little different, but people don't change. And so here they are, and, and they're seeking God's face, and they're ask, asking Him to work in their lives. And once the Lord gave them this prophetic message to send out Barnabas and Saul, they still kept on fasting and praying, it seems, from what Scripture's saying there. By the way, do you notice that Barnabas is listed first here before Saul or Paul? Just a note, it was Barnabas who had taken Saul under his wing to mentor him. And you can see that in the first part of the book of Acts. Just kind of an important note to notice there. Uh, and so in verse 3, it says, after they had fasted and prayed, they ended up laying hands on them and sending those guys off. 
And they worshiped, they fasted, they prayed. And what, what did they pray? We, we really don't know. We don't know exactly what they prayed. But you don't have to have formal written prayers to talk to God. You just don't have to. In fact, there are many written prayers in the Bible. No, it's not bad. That's fine. So the written prayers, there's nothing wrong with them because we find them in the Scripture. No question about that. And those are good. But, but your prayer life needs to be simply talking to God. I think if we will just engage Him and interact with Him, maybe we will see those results that He's wanting to provide in our lives. So we need to focus on Him. May even pull out the Scripture. Maybe you pull out the Bible at some point and start praying what the Scripture says because there are, like I said, there are many prayers. Not just our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, etc. It's not just that. That was one of those teaching moments that Jesus had. And not just that, but those are, there's some powerful prayers, and those are powerful, and that one is too. We need to be able to couple the Word of God and fasting to have that powerful mix of God's Word and your focus on Him. Isn't that what it's about? Your focus on Him and that confidence in Him. One of my favorite power-packed prayers uh, that we find in the New Testament is over in Ephesians chapter 1. You'll see it on the screen this morning. And it's the Apostle Paul, and he's talking about praying for the, for the Ephesians, and, and he says this, Ever since I heard about your faith, in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people. I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So then he goes on in verse 17 there, and he says, I, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Do you pray, pray that for your family? Do you pray that for your friends? Do you pray that for others in the body here? You can. Then he goes on in verse 18. He says, I, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Who's that? That's us if you're a follower of Jesus, right? And his incomparably great power for us who believe. Powerful. And then he goes on from there, and you can, you can look in that passage there in Ephesians chapter 1, and you can pull that out and, and, and pray that prayer for others. It's a powerful prayer that he'd been praying for them, and it's on a regular basis we find that. And he said, I, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. It was something he did commonly. Maybe some people in this room who are missing today that you can start praying for in that way. Maybe they're missing because they're ill. Maybe other things have happened in their life, and maybe they need the encouragement that prayer is going to bring, or maybe a word from you to encourage them as well. But I want to challenge you to start that today. Start looking and praying for those who need God's touch in their lives. And maybe, maybe, they're, maybe they don't really have a lot of needs, but maybe you should pray that God blesses their lives anyway and expands them and works in them. You start praying for those around you like this. Can you imagine what God would do in people's lives, in our community, in our church body, as we serve Him? This week, every day, we have a couple options. As we said to you, it's going to be 6.30 in the morning, going to be 7 in the evening. 
want to encourage you to swing by. We're going to be covered by staff and by and by uh, board board members as well. Going to have some uh, particular times, and and we're going to be able to seek the Lord together. Maybe you can't take that time. Maybe that just encroaches in the way your work time and those things. Maybe you can take maybe a lunch break. Maybe you can uh, can pray for just a little bit, or maybe it's after you get off work, or maybe you want to swing back in the middle of the day and pray. That's fine. But I want to challenge you this morning to start off this new year with a focus, with focus on seeking the Lord. As, as he says in the word, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Amen.